Hi, friends. Welcome to Unyielding, a podcast for Pathways to Hope Network. Our goal for this podcast is to connect with mothers of children facing the juvenile court system. We want to use this platform to give a voice to the challenges you're facing while you're learning to navigate the sometimes scary and uncertain world we enter when our child has been charged with a crime. For the next 30 or so minutes, we hope that you will feel seen. We hope that you are reminded of your value and that you leave a little stronger than you arrived. Most importantly, though, we hope to honor the always beautiful, often heart-wrenching, unyielding love that a mother has for her child. Hi, friends. I am so grateful to be spending some time with you today. You've really just been on my heart lately, and I hope that our time together will leave you feeling a little lighter. Today's episode is part one of a three-part series where we will be looking into some common teen behaviors that you might be witnessing in your child and dive a little into why it happens what about it creates challenges for us, and what we can do in response. I had originally done this as one episode, and while I was working on the editing, I came to the conclusion that it really was a little too much information for just one episode. And so I thought that it would be better to split it up to really give you time to think about what we talked about and allow it to marinate before we move on. Before we get started, though, I feel like I want to remind you that I am by no means an expert in this field. You will not find any fancy initials, like my friend likes to call them, after my name that represents how I've specialized in adolescence. Instead, I'm a mom whose life has provided a lot of education and experience from living And I'm also innately curious and really wired to always be looking for a better way to understand the people around me. So what you hear when you tune into these podcasts are my experiences gently tossed with research that I've done by reading books and studies online and listening to those who are the real experts in the field. But none of it comes close to the intuition that you feel in your heart. What is your own motherly instincts? So as you listen to these episodes, whether it's this one or any of the ones that we record in the future, I just want you to follow the path you feel you are being led on and to leave the rest behind. The other day, I had a mama call me. And a little bit into our conversation, she said, Angie, my daughter hates me. And so I kind of started asking some questions and trying to figure out where is she getting this from? She said, well, she never wants to be around me. She always wants her own way. And she seems like she just wants to fight all the time. Everything turns into an argument. Can you relate to any of this? While it might feel like it, disagreements and clashing that happens in our relationship with our child doesn't necessarily mean that our relationship with them is in trouble. 
There's a book called The Teenage Brain by Dr. Francis Jensen, and it talks about how when we have a three-year-old and they have a tantrum, we don't necessarily see that tantrum as something that they're doing intentionally. Instead, we are able to view it as they have not yet learned how to control themselves. And the same is true for teens as well. See, during the teen years, hormones like testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone flood our bodies. In fact, testosterone in teen boys increases 30-fold. That means the testosterone increases at a level that is 30 times what it was before they hit those teen years. And they are experiencing all of these hormones for the very first time. In some ways, their brains and bodies are being controlled more by forces of nature than ever before. And their brain hasn't yet figured out how to control the influence of this increase in hormones. Because of fluctuations of hormones in a girl's menstrual cycle, they can go from happy and laughing to a complete meltdown all in the time it takes them to walk from one room to another. For boys, it shows up a little different. The amygdala, which we've talked about a lot and is responsible for the fight or flight response in our brains, has these receptors in it. And these receptors are incredibly friendly to receive the influx of testosterone that's pumping through them. So when the hormone makes its way into the amygdala, we see an increase in risk-taking, in impulsive behavior, in aggression, and even in depression. And if you think about it, all those behaviors tie back to our fight or flight response, right? The depression can be linked back to the flight response, the risk-taking, the impulsive behavior, the aggression can definitely be linked back to the fight response. So what happens is, as a result of all these hormones, teens tend to seek out experiences that are emotionally charged experiences. A book or a movie that will make her cry video games that conjure up intense emotion. If we think back to when we were teenagers, do you remember like the sad songs? Do you remember listening to those sad songs as a teenage girl and writing down the lyrics and thinking about how they made you feel? That's all part of seeking out these experiences that are emotionally charged. But now our kids live in a different time, so that's acted out differently. Put together a jacked up stimulus seeking brain with the fact that it's not fully mature and able to really master decision making. And it makes total sense why sometimes the consequences are catastrophic. So it's really important that we take this info into consideration as we're witnessing behaviors that tend to leave us worried or even aggravated. So let's go ahead and start discussing the behavior that we're going to focus on today, which is isolating. 
it's actually developmentally normal to retreat and engage less with your parents or family members once you hit the teen years. Part of what it does is it allows them to explore their autonomy. And autonomy is a Greek word, and it comes from the word autos, which means self, and nomos, which means law. So it's essentially self-governance. So they're learning self-governance during that time. And while isolating, they usually use that time to be introspective and to regulate their own moods. It's kind of part of them developing their own identity, which is separate from us. I think the reason that it bothers us is that we worry about losing influence and also that we're kind of nervous about the status of our relationship. See, a lot of times for moms, being needed equals being valuable. And we have spent the last 14 years, 15 years, 18 years, depending on how, your ch- how old your child is, caretaking. And caretaking is an act of love. But our own behaviors are easily influenced by things like approval, acceptance, um, a need to achieve, or even uh, motivation to take or avoid risks. We're so used to focusing on their behaviors, but it's really good to practice examining our own as well. So if your teen's isolation bothers you, you can start by looking at why it's bothering you. Does his isolation trigger feelings of inadequacy in you, or are you worried that he's depressed? When she's not engaging, do you feel helpless to stop the drifting that's occurring in your relationship? Or are you concerned that something bigger is going on? On this journey, there are two stories that are being woven together, your experience and theirs. And when we work on getting clear with our story, it helps us to create a little space in the weaving And you're better able to differentiate your part from theirs. I really think that this is something that's important to do in this season. If you're having trouble identifying what you're feeling, that's very normal. Sometimes our feelings can be very dull and under the surface and we're not able to identify them. And sometimes it can be very intense and it might be something that, you know, initially feels like anger, but really is not anger, it's frustration. And so then you begin to do the work of like, well, what is frustrating me? What's behind it? And really kind of trying to process through some of that stuff. But if you're having trouble identifying what you're feeling, you can try using the feeling wheel and it's on the resource tab of our website. It really is a great tool to kind of help you get unstuck when you can't see the forest through the trees. So what are some things you can do if you are concerned about the isolation? I think first and foremost, just recognize that some pulling away is normal developmentally. And then instead of asking questions, you could try making observations. So what do I mean by this? 
My son gets really irritated when I ask, how was your day? I don't know why, but when I say, how was your day today? It's very like, fine. It's not, he doesn't want to go into detail. I, it just kind of seems to him like, I don't know if it's like I'm prying or he doesn't want to go into it or what it is. So instead of asking, how was your day? You could try making an observation like, you seem like you had a good day today. Instead of saying, why are you so angry? You could make an observation like, you seem angry today. You kind of want to think of it as a reflection in the mirror. You're observing what you're seeing. You can also use I wonder statements like, I wonder what happened to put you in such a good mood today. Or I wonder what I did that made you so upset. See, these are kind of conversation starters. So you're kind of casting a line. Whereas asking a question sometimes shuts things down, making an I wonder statement can kind of open a door. Okay, so what else can you do? One of the other things that you can do is to use technology to stay connected. So send a text message or an email with a funny meme or a video that made you laugh or even just, hey, I'm thinking about you. You could even choose one day a week and have it be a theme like Motivation Monday. So on Mondays, you send them a motivation quote or a strength that you see in them. And they get used to kind of seeing those regular messages come in. And I'm sure they'll act like they don't matter and that they're not important and they may not even say anything about it. But I think that if you develop this practice over time, it's one of those things that's going to stick with them. And somewhere down the road, like my kids have done with me many times as they've gotten older, they'll think back and they'll remember that and they'll thank you for doing it or they'll tell you how much they liked it. The next suggestion is to create opportunities doing what they enjoy. Take a break on the lectures and just have fun. Go play laser tag. Challenge them to a game of pig on the basketball court. If you want to make it interesting, agree on a wager ahead of time, like loser does the dishes. You could also watch a funny movie together or a comedy special. Laughter is the best medicine. That saying is true. Laughter draws people together in ways that kind of trigger healthy physical and emotional changes in the body. A few comedians that I like that are usually on the cleaner side are John Christ, Nate Bargatze, and Jim Gaffigan. He's pretty funny too. His earlier stuff is more clean than his more recent stuff. But sometimes those are the best moments of connection that I have with my kids. When we can't agree on anything else, we can still laugh together. And being able to sit in the same space and share a laugh, it's a powerful thing. And my final suggestion would be to find a way to grab an unexpected meal together. So this could be lunch after a dental appointment or I hop for breakfast before school. Use the time that you have together during these meals to ask their advice on something. 
When we ask advice from our kids on something, it helps them see that it's normal to face setbacks. And it's also healthy to strategize and to start something new again. Well, that wraps up this episode, but before we do a quick recap, I feel like I need to say something else. While isolation is not necessarily bad and can actually be beneficial, it can also be a sign of depression and extreme anxiety. Here are a few warning signs of unhealthy social isolation that you should be watching out for. If your child is avoiding social interactions, all social interactions, including those that were once enjoyable. If they're canceling plans frequently and feeling relief when plans are canceled. I found this list online and I'm going to be honest with you, I definitely have the feeling relief when plans are canceled. So I'm not sure how good of an indicator that one is. If they're experiencing anxiety or panic when thinking about social interactions, if they're feeling distressed during periods of solitude, if they're feeling dread associated with social activities, if they're spending large amounts of time alone or with extremely limited contact with others. If they're showing any of those signs, I would recommend consulting a professional. So let's do a quick recap of what we discussed today before we go. One, Teens' brains and bodies are trying to figure out this influx of hormones, and it's going to take some time to work it out. Two, it's developmentally normal for teens to retreat from parents and engage less. It's a practice of self-governance. Three, examine your own behaviors and emotions that are triggered by your teen's actions. What can you learn about what you're feeling? Use the feeling wheel on the resource tab if you get stuck. Four, try asking less questions and making more observations when your child is less than chatty. Five, use technology as a way to stay connected. Six, create opportunities for fun and laughter together. Seven, Watch for warning signs for unhealthy isolation and consult a professional when you see them. Remember, there will always be some days, Mama, that all you can do is breathe and take one baby step at a time. And that is okay. There's no race to get to the end. This journey will take as long as it takes and our goal is to get to the finish line knowing we showed up for our child and ourself the best way we could. Okay, friends, well, that wraps it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening to Unyielding. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way today. If you did, could you show some love to this community of mamas by leaving a review and subscribing? You know how lonely this journey can be, and when you leave positive reviews and subscribe, it makes a big difference in helping other struggling moms out there find us. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's website. The link will always be in the show notes below, where you can access an ever-growing library of resources, 
like a list of local and national resources that may be helpful, a page entirely devoted to frequently asked questions, as well as our blogs that cover a variety of topics. When you visit the page, remember to subscribe so you're added to our monthly newsletter designed to encourage and educate you throughout this process and beyond. You can also find our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, posts designed to help keep you fighting. Remember, family is like life. It's a fight for territory, and once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. Until next week, friends, remember we are stronger together.